want to welcome back to the programme a friend of ours. He writes for 21stCenturyWire.com. He can be seen on RT regularly. Uh, I think he's a terrific geopolitical analyst. As I said, 21stCenturyWire.com. You can also catch him on the Sunday Wire every Sunday live at 5pm GMT. Let's welcome back Patrick Henningsen to the programme. Patrick, you're always welcome. How are you? All right, Richie. How you doing? I'm really good, my friend. Um, I, I guess you've had a, an incredibly busy afternoon watching what's been happening in, in Brussels, but paying particular attention to uh, the way that it's being reported. What are your initial thoughts on, on, on the facts, or at least the facts that we've been given, that a lot of people have been killed, a lot of people injured in attacks that are somehow related to the arrest of a man uh, in Belgium last week in connection with the uh, terror attacks in Paris. What are your thoughts? Well, I think you've you've outlined uh, a, a, a kind of continuation of events, a progression of events that uh, were, were really meant to believe that one thing led to another. Um, it was incredible that only a couple of days ago that they had apparently arrested the uh, mastermind of the Paris attacks and again, this is the mastermind uh, in media terms. We were told he was the mastermind um, and he's been arrested. He's uh, retained counsel, legal counsel. And then a couple of days later, that was all over the media. And all the couple of days later, we're here now and we see this event happen today. So we're, we're hearing rumors of, oh, this was revenge for the apprehension of uh, um, Aldis Salami. Um, I can't even pronounce his name correctly. I'm not sure. Well, you're, but, you're, you're, you're close enough. It's Salah Abdeslam. And if it was revenge, Patrick, it was very hastily put together revenge, wasn't it? Um, well, yeah. Again, the, the the whole narrative is that he was the mastermind of the Paris attacks. And there's we, we don't know any specific evidence um, other than the fact that his photograph was put all over the world media. Uh, during and after the Paris attacks uh, this past November. So uh, we don't know if there's any actual evidence that uh, connecting him to the attacks. Um, he's uh, apparently ID'd at a uh, uh, traffic uh, traffic stop uh, by a law enforcement officer at, after immediately after the Paris attacks, and therefore um, he was the mastermind. That's all we're told, really. Um, other reports are that he smoked... Uh, a lot of hash and uh, hung out at a, a shisha a hookah bar uh, somewhere in uh, Brussels, in Molenbeek, I guess, which he ran with his brother or associate. And uh, so did, did a lot of drugs. I've seen that. But, you know, as far as terror mastermind goes, uh, who knows? So, we, we again, we, we're drawing conclusions that have been teed up by the media. And, again, uh, that... This is a revenge attack for his arrest. It, it's, it all hinges on the, the fact that he is the mastermind of the Paris attacks. And we haven't gone through any due process. Uh, we haven't been shown any evidence. There hasn't been a trial. So, again, we're meant, to, we're meant to assume all these connections. Yeah, and I would have assumed, Patrick, sorry for interrupting you, I would have assumed that if Salah Abdeslam was the mastermind of the Paris attacks, if Islamic State was a very professional and a very serious organisation, as we're being told they are, he would have surely been spirited back to Syria or to Iraq after doing his part in, you know, overseeing the destruction in Paris. I don't understand why he would hang around 
in Central Europe. It doesn't make any sense to me. Now, I'm not claiming to be an expert. I'm far from an expert. That just doesn't sit easy with me, you know. When CIA and MI6 operatives do bad things overseas, they don't hang around for weeks afterwards in the area. They get the hell out of there. Yeah, yeah, you'd be sent away or, you know, gone off, you know, on sort of sabbatical, if you will, somewhere in North Africa or in Syria, like you said, somewhere within the Islamic State, uh, so-called stronghold in Raqqa, which isn't looking to hold up very strong at the moment. But uh, and again, the mastermind, 28 years old, uh, he's meant to be the mastermind, Um, again, mastermind who smokes a lot of hash. Um, and who, I don't know, doesn't have a very uh, particularly strong education, a, a mastermind, just like the other mastermind, uh, Abdayud, uh, yeah. the one who apparently got killed. And again, this was a 24-year-old or 25-year-old mastermind who had reading problems in school and uh, was sort of mentally challenged, yet he was meant to have masterminded all of these quite extraordinary, spectacular, uh, uh, multi-site, multi uh device explosion terrorist events i mean come on at some point it's really hard to swallow isn't it amazing how many times we we hear about mass shootings we talked about the port arthur massacre recently the man who's in prison for that has an iq of 66 yeah it comes up so many times loads of tweets now you know that i don't ordinarily jump in but because there are loads of tweets on this and everybody wants to hear what you have to say so i'm going to put the tweets to you sure turkish president erdian when speaking about the recent blasts in, in, in Turkey blamed on um, Kurdish separatists said that um, he mentioned Brussels, didn't he? Now, people are saying that this is evidence of some prior knowledge by Erdogan, but it could also just be an innocent thing. He said something like, this could happen, what happened today could happen in Brussels, he said. But then he did name several other cities as well. D- do you buy into you know, any concerns about whether or not he had any foreknowledge? Why would he? Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. And also, I saw that same video, and I'm, I can't confirm the date in which that speech yeah. was made. I suppose it was as as uh, as advertised, um, the way people are pushing it around. But but even if it was, it doesn't it doesn't specifically uh, prove anything or disprove anything. It's just he's just said it. And a lot of people have uh, you know say things, and uh, of course the people will immediately connect that there was some foreknowledge there. They'll just jump on it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But there's, but at the same time, Richie, there's a lot of, there's a lot of threats uh, being uh, pushed around by certain leaders. Uh, This is Turkey, especially a very volatile uh, position there. Um, Some would say holding the European union to ransom, holding Brussels to ransom. If you think about the, uh, the demands or the deal that, to pay Turkey 6 billion euros plus give Schengen visas uh, an early e- fast-track EU membership to the country of Turkey. Uh, that's the kind of deal that's being yeah. you know, k- kicked around at the moment. So is this uh, some sort of... Um, uh, You've just hit the nail on the head there. And of course, that would put the European border at basically at Syria. This is brilliant yeah. stuff. Now, Zana from New Zealand, we will return to that. Uh, and again, forgive the, 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 the speed at which I'm getting through the, the tweets. You don't have to get the abuse later on, Patrick. You just go back to work and I get abused when I'm asking you the questions. Uh, Zana is in New Zealand. Please ask Patrick what he thinks about the fact, this is a great question. We have massive invasive spying on us, yet it cannot prevent 
events like this. Now, that's a great question. And that goes to the heart of, they burst into a house this afternoon, found a flag and a bomb. How can they know so much about these guys immediately after the fact, and yet beforehand, they were clueless? Yeah, this this is what we're meant to to believe every single time this happens. And if you listen closely to the media coverage, I mean, immediately when I saw this news, um, I'm not in Europe or the United States, by the way. I'm in the Middle East right now, so I didn't get a chance to watch it unfold uh, in real time as it, as it, I normally do when these sort of events happen and you know track the media coverage. But immediately I said that there'll be – first thing we'll see is there'll be calls for uh, increased uh, police, measure, police powers, security measures, tightening borders – um, t- debates about biometric IDs, privacy, the right to have encryption on your personal uh, electronic devices. These are all sort of fair game yeah. in the wake of an event like this. And uh, if you look at what happened in Paris immediately, the French president shut down the borders and also called for a temporary suspension of the French constitution, if you remember, uh, back in November. That's and, right. How could and, we forget that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and this, I mean, straight out of Star Wars, if, you know, the, the, the rhetoric of Emperor Palpatine, yeah. you know, we just need to do it temporarily until uh, we deal with the terrorist threat. And here we have this exact scenario playing out. And again, we see this with uh, Brussels, uh, similar uh, talk right now in the immediate aftermath. So we'll see more of that in the next 24 hours, because once the dust settles, then the world leaders are going to really feel the pressure to make some very, very big and hefty announcements in terms of what are you going to do? They're being pressured by the media. Uh, the public are still trying to digest it. But then there are people in the state that will take advantage of this and think, well, this is a good time to basically fast track uh, some of the programs that we've been wanting to fast track in terms of uh, increasing state powers, police powers, search and seizure, uh, etc. So these are all things to you can expect in the immediate aftermath yeah. of an event like this. 21stCenturyWire.com, terrific analysis on there of geopolitical events, news. Patrick Henningsen is on the line to us from somewhere in the Middle East. It's always good to have him on the programme. Sam Bray tweets, this is good. This is very good. What does Patrick make of the lead singer of the Eagles of Death Metal saying that? Well, Sam says on Twitter that he said they were a false flag. I don't think he said that, Sam. I think what the lead singer of the Eagles of Death Metal said was, was that five or six of their security detail called or cried off work on the day of the attacks in Paris. And this was in the Daily Mirror a few weeks back. Now, apparently since then, the singer of the Eagles of Death Metal, whose name escapes me, uh, basically said that um, that he was wrong or he was mistaken. But they don't tend to be mistaken about things like that. Uh, you know, pop singers and, and rock stars, they tend to know. Was that some sort of a, a giveaway about what was going on in Paris, Patrick? Yeah, when I first saw that report, I, I, I immediately questioned it because uh, he was interviewed, as was another mem- other members of his band. Uh, they were interviewed like ad nauseum by quite a few uh, media outlets. One of them was an in-depth interview by Vice News. And this was, you know, days after, I guess, 24, 48 hours, maybe a few days after maximum after the Paris attacks. And I didn't hear any mention of this. Okay. And then all of a sudden, days before this bombing in Brussels, he magically appears on, I believe it was Fox Business, 
um, another strange network <laughs> yeah. to appear on, you know, after going from Vice, which is basically HBO, uh, liberal, uh, Democrat party oriented uh, media outlet. And then all of a sudden it appears days before this bombing appears on uh, Fox business and says, Oh, uh, you know, the, some of the bouncers didn't show up to work and uh, insinuating there's some sort of a uh, inside job, if you will, with regards to the, security at the Vatican theater in Paris. And then all of a sudden he uh, does a 360 degree, um, you know, disavows what he had said only a couple of days later. And that's, to, to me, this smacks of uh, uh, COINTELPRO or just, just general misdirection and disinformation. And it makes me wonder what, you know, what role is this person playing in this in, uh inadvertently or intentionally who knows but certainly that there's absolute you can't you can't deny it's undebatable there's absolute misdirection going on here no with this with with a central character in the paris attacks and a media character and mind you you know they're being sort of trailed and filmed all year by vice so i've never heard of the eagles of death metal in my life Me and i and i follow music um you know, fairly closely, and all of a sudden they're a household name. I'll give you a laugh. This. I'll give you a laugh, Patrick. I was a bit embarrassed when the Paris attacks happened. For the first time, really, in a long time, I did get caught out now, um, not knowing anything about the Eagles of Death Metal. When there were photographs of women and very young children leaving the Bataclan Theatre, I, I, without thinking too hard about it, I put some stuff on Facebook saying, Who in the world is going to believe that? women are taking very young children to death metal concerts. <laughs> and apparently, well, I found out they weren't um, a death metal band. Let that be a lesson, children. Do your research before you open your mouth. Like Uncle Richie. I was caught right out there. But I was the first to put my hand up and say it. Now, our mutual friend, Hesher, has said, let's not forget that in February there was a, there was a European organised massive emergency response drill involving over 1,000 participants. Is there any relationship, Patrick, do you think? And I know this is speculation made, and I know you probably get tired of, you know, I know you like to deal in facts, I'm well aware of that, but what about, um, you know, do you have any gut feeling about this drill and what happened today? Well, the timing of it was certainly extraordinary, and the fact that it, that drill, which I believe included 1,000 actors, uh, crisis actors and was paid for by the European Union. So they picked up the bill, basically. And this one of the main uh, coordinating bodies here was the London Fire Brigade. Now, Kent, if, as you know, this is like right along the sort of Eurostar link uh, between Britain and Brussels. Uh, so it's not in, in Belgium, but of course it's uh, in proximity of Belgium, not very far away. But uh, interagency, uh, Europe, Europe's largest emergency simulation exercise, uh, which really takes place only weeks before this uh, huge high-profile terror event. But um, here's something that I found that was, that was also interesting. This was reported by The Independent. Um, it, right after this Brussels uh, airport bombing, you see CCTV footage was being pushed around social media, um, apparently, and also played on a lot of mainstream uh, news sites, which shows the Brussels airport explosions. But actually, this were uh, the CCTV footage recycled from um, uh, uh, Damodedovo Airport 
in Russia from 2011, by the way. So that's a fact. So, so fake CCTV footage was being pushed around mainstream media outlets, and it was really from 2011 in Russia. Were they so, were they unwittingly duped, or because it's always fair to ask that when they were using this footage, these these um, commercial uh, national radio or sorry, radio uh, television channels, were they were they duped into doing it, or did they know better? Um, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't uh, matter, does it? You're right. They, it doesn't matter because they they should verify these things. Of course. And let me give you let me give you a really important point here. Uh, NPR, which is basically the U.S. government uh, media outlet, and uh, so they're doing a report on this Brussels bombing. And at the bottom of their article, and if you go if you go online to the NPR report, which we linked at twenty first century dot com, it's terrorist bombing strikes Brussels airport. What we know. Okay, and apparently what they know isn't a whole lot because they put a disclaimer at the bottom of this article saying this is a developing story. Uh, some things that get reported by the media will later turn out to be wrong. So we will focus on reports from police officials and other officials, credible, credible, quote, unquote, news outlets and reporters who are on the scene. We will update as the situation develops. So they're already putting the caveat in, Richie, that uh, some things that get reported by the media will later turn out to be wrong. It's too How late that, then, though. It's too late when people have read. Exactly. Yeah. How's that possible? Yeah, 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 yeah. And what kind of a, a disclaimer is this? I mean, I was just blown away when I read this today. And uh, so, you know, they're already covering their their behind, so to speak. Um, and we see this constantly with mass shootings and with these uh, high profile terror events. We see the, the, the statistics change. We see the, the, the reporting change about really crucial uh, forensic facts, which should be really like undebatable. And they just change how many victims there are, uh, where the bombs went off, uh, you know, what happened what this person said, what that said, you know, was there a suspects apprehended? How many? Yeah, all yeah, this yeah. stuff is fungible. It all changes. How is that possible? How can you have different narratives surrounding such important stories? And I believe in in, in some cases, especially with some of the mass shootings, is, there is misdirection going on. There's misinformation being fettered out into the media, disseminated through all these different um, uh, various platforms and outlets. And I believe it creates an air of confusion um, so that no one can really know for sure. Uh, exactly what happened. Um, don't ask me how and why this this is going on so much these days. But it's not just because of the internet. I'm telling you, um, it's because the mainstream outlets are getting all their information from either the officials. So either the officials are putting out uh, wrong information and then changing it, and that you have to ask why. How is that possible? Right? I mean, normally they would say. I go to the official and I say, oh, how many victims are there? And they should say, well, we're not sure. Instead, they just say, well, 30. And then, you, then you talk to them an hour later and they say, actually, no, it's not 30, it's 19. And so uh, how is that possible? How can official bodies give wrong information? Well, I, I remember, I, I mean, I, I'm, I, I only mention this on the program regularly just to remind my listeners that I grew up. When I say I grew up, I was in my very, very early 20s. At a, at a responsible newsroom at a very successful commercial radio station in Ireland. And we were beaten with a stick into never, ever, ever go to air with um, a fact or with 
with a story unless you got three, you know, very reputable sources corroborating what it is that you have to say. We just we just wouldn't do it. Now, of course, this was pre twenty four hour rolling news channels and all of that, but it's important to. To, 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 to kind of, you know, to, to, to draw you to what Patrick is saying is very serious. It is 27 minutes to the top of the year. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Interpol and their claims that ISIS are changing tack and now they've got maybe 5,000 operatives in Europe and that from here on in, they're going to be all about massive terror attacks in Europe. The reason we're going to talk about that is is because there is a massive agenda to get boots on the ground, American boots on the ground and British uh, boots on the ground in Syria. So we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about Donald Trump and some interesting things he said to NBC News today. He was actually misrepresented by Ron Paul in Ron Paul's own programme. Trump didn't say, at least he didn't say today, that he wants 30,000 troops in Syria. He actually said that um, if our leaders had been sitting on beaches instead of messing around in the Middle East, we wouldn't have any problems now. And we'll get into that with Patrick Henningsen after a very short break. Keep your tweets coming in at Richie Allen Show and email richie at richieallen.co.uk. Always good to be with you. Broadcasting the information the mainstream media won't touch. This is The Richie Allen Show in association with DavidIke.com. Welcome back. So we're 25 and a half minutes to the top of the air. We've got Patrick for about another 20 minutes, maybe just under. Loads to get through. Thanks to Alex Doust. Uh, the revolution will not be televised, says Alex. Media report what they're told to by the police. Told my secret service, told by... That's brilliant. We got into that earlier on. There is no reporting. There is no investigation whatsoever of the facts. Sky, BBC, CNN told you what they were told by the authorities in Belgium. There's no questioning of any of that. I want to say hi to Millie. Uh, Millie, thanks for sending us that uh, Fox News uh, video. I've retweeted that out there. I want to say hi to Jane. Uh, to Marley, to Colm in Dublin, by the way, and everybody else who's listening to this. Uh, by the way, there's a vibrant chat room. There is a vibrant chat room on davidike.com always. But the alternate current radio.com uh, chat room is interesting because whenever there's a program on, the, the, the moderators and the listeners to alternate current radio are in there and they're debating uh, these stories. And I have no doubt they're listening to Patrick Henningsen, who presents Sunday Wire every Sunday at 5 p.m. GMT. In fact, Patrick, my friend, it'll be BST next time you're on air as uh, yeah. the clocks go forward. And you got caught out, by the way. You, yeah. As I always do. I, I had to laugh because it's usually me. I'm glad it was somebody else. Yeah. Um, right, serious. Back to serious matters. They're telling us. Interpol went to great lengths to try and scare us to death by saying 5,000 jihadists have come through and are in Europe and that's going to be the, the focus of ISIS or Daesh efforts in the future. But we know, you and I know anyway, that the agenda wants to uh, commit troops and basically unleash bloody hell in Syria. We know that the United Arab Emirates and the Saudis are standing by waiting for the go-ahead and all of that. So that's a kind of a mind... Uh, control game they're playing on the population. On the one hand, ISIS is in Europe. That's where they're really, really going to do danger. On the other hand, we have to take them on in Syria. What do you make of all of that? 
Yeah, there, there, there's a lot of stuff that's being said that uh, is true, and there's other things that are being said that are not true. Um, the, the the rumor that was pushed around that Saudi Arabia and the uh, Emirates were standing by to invade Syria, um, I did look into that for the last few weeks, and I can't yet find anything to actually validate that. So is bluster, threats, um, uh, media intimidation, um, it could be all of these things. Uh, what we do see, obviously, is this situation uh, drawing down in Syria, actually. And we do see ISIS being dislodged in many cases uh, from their uh, strongholds in northern Syria and uh, even perhaps in northern Iraq. So uh, the situation has turned dramatically since Russia entered the conflict and started providing air support to the Syrian Arab army. So that's invariably changed the uh, tide uh, in that conflict. So what do you have? Then it's a perfect uh, uh, narrative to say that ISIS has now um, gone and uh, set up shop in uh, Libya. And we see that we follow that narrative and also that they're in Yemen. Uh, and the big one, really, the mother of all narratives is that uh, they're taking advantage uh, under the cloak of the migrant crisis and getting into all sorts of corners of Europe. Now, do you not buy that? Um, I, I don't. Why? I, I don't buy the fear of it because it's the fear is not based on fact. So and even when a bomb goes off, that still doesn't mean that ISIS is in Europe. Um, because explain to me why all these dramatic uh, uh, bombings aren't going on uh, all over the Middle East, because isn't this where ISIS is most active and has the most resources and can travel uh, undercover the most effectively is in the Middle East and Central Asia. And we don't see these airports being hit in Jordan and uh, Israel and uh, Cairo and all these other places, the, the so-called, you know, um, going against the uh, pure purest Islamic version of, of the world uh, culture that the uh, ISIS apparently um, <clears throat> subscribes to. You know, surely they'd be hitting all of these countries first, um, and Iraq, for instance. And uh, That's a brilliant point now, and I can't argue with that. But yeah. if, you were, if you were planning what we believe the, you know, the cabal or the hidden hand, whatever you want to call them, is planning, um, they, they might like to or they might see the advantage of the mass migration that they've caused by devastating uh, the regions um, to to allow, uh, you know, an amount of or a certain amount of lunatics, jihadists into into Europe. Now, I'm I suspect that that is possibly part of the agenda. But one of the reasons I admire you a lot, and I, I'm not here to, to kiss your, your arse, but I do admire you is because um, I think you do see, I think you've always seen the, the bigger picture, but you're also very, very mindful of some of the blatant racism that we see in some sections of the independent media from people who really don't understand what's going on. There's one famous reporter for a well-known uh, television news programme um, who's gone, he's, what's the word, this lovely phrase that I've learned recently, he screwed the pooch. In terms of some of the outlandish things that he's saying about uh, Muslims in America, and he's not even American. He's from, uh, I believe, he's from Yorkshire or somewhere around England. Look, okay. we have to be we have to be very careful about that, of course. But at the same time, it's what the system would do. Patrick is is yeah. is give passage to, you know, if they could to some crazy bastards who would do some things because 
you know, the, the old false flag terror event can't work all of the time. When you get guys in to do real stuff, well, that's a different thing. So I've had my say. What do you think? Well, let's look at the migrant crisis uh, in a sober way, not in a hysterical way, uh, like the person to who you're referring to, yeah, yeah, yeah. the so-called <laughs> journalists. They're, yeah. they're looking at hysterically. Now, if let, let's be let's be rational about this. OK, if if that if there's a, someone who's a that highly skilled of a terrorist that they can coordinate all these sophisticated attacks with a spectacular effect using the most high tech explosives, uh, coordinating with uh, dozens and dozens of operatives in order to pull it off because it's not a one man job. I'll tell you that right now. Um, they can do this at any time, Richie. They can do this during a migrant crisis and during a non migrant crisis. They don't need to just kind of traipse over foot through Hungary uh, with crowds of Afghani and uh, Syrian and Turkish uh, refugees in order to penetrate Europe. They can forge passports. They can uh, they can get in through uh, various uh, underground railroads and so forth. OK, so to think that it can only happen in the wake of a migrant crisis is basically you, then you're buying into the problem reaction solution. Good point. Uh, Hegelian dialectic and you're being herded like sheep. Okay, to basically then support the Pegida movement uh, and all these other sort of uh, lunatics, more far lunatics. right, yeah. far, far far right groups that that are you know bordering on uh, uh, neo fascist, uh, neo Nazi in some cases. So this is just pure public manipulation is all it is. And there's some people who are cheerleading this, who are getting on, rushing that bandwagon because they think that this is the this is the right bandwagon to be on. But they're part of the manipulation themselves. If it, it, They're either agents of manipulation, unknowingly or knowingly, um, or they're just being carried away with a wave of fear. Uh, that I, I believe that this is what the powers that be want people to do. They want people to be carried away on these bandwagons of fear so that they can uh, preside over a divided um, uh, society, a divided Europe. And if you look at this uh, today, this terrorist attack, the migrant crisis and some of the other attacks recently, it is absolutely uh, a carbon copy of the NATO um, Operation Gladio terrorist attacks where NATO intelligence carried out bombings on European soil, That's right. like the Bologna bombing, like the Brabant massacres in Belgium as well. Uh, and they did this in order to achieve certain military uh, objectives and to get public support behind a more aggressive uh, various other military programs uh, at the time, and also to demonize certain political factions within the European uh, matrix at the time. So that's a historical fact. That's not uh, speculation. So all this uh, ISIS is everywhere is a lot of it speculation, yet we have the Gladio story, which is historical fact. Which is historical fact. But let me come back at you yeah. now, my friend. Let me come back at you. Because we are on the same page, but when you have the numbers of people that have, you know, amalgamated on or congregated, I should say, on the Greek Macedonian border and elsewhere, it stands to reason because you have been arming and funding and you've been seeking out psychopaths. Now, there are psychopaths in every country in the world. What our intelligence agencies have been doing historically is seeking out psychopaths in this part of the world. Uh, doing God knows what to them and setting them to kill. So it does stand to reason that whether it's manipulated or not manipulated, that among uh, the throngs of uh, people and God love them, what, 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 what's happened to, to them and what we've done to them, um, will be guys 
who are bad guys. And uh, I must say this, and I'm not subscribing to the, I'm going to name him, Paul Joseph Watson School of Insanity. Uh, I'm not, and I never will do. But when you see a lot of the video footage of, particularly news footage, you do see a lot of seemingly unattached young men. And I wonder, what's going on? And, and, and I'm not trying to be the devil's advocate. I do wonder about that. But I'm as far away from the idiocy of some sections of the independent media uh, as you are. Uh, because as I said, I believe it is predicated on genuine racism or, or, or just an absolute misunderstanding of, uh, of what's going on. But some of the... Um, and again, I couldn't... I, could, I mean, you're entitled to challenge me and say, well, give me a number, Richie. I couldn't, Patrick. I'm just saying it stands to reason that among them, whether it's a very, very small amount or, or, or less, will be people capable of doing very bad things because we made them that way. Well, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's possible, and, and, you know, and I'm sure that uh, there, there would be motivation. Uh, there would be people who maybe have uh, experienced uh, uh, racism, xenophobia, bigotry, uh, heavy-handedness yeah. um, as refugees. But let's also be practical, too. If you're a family and you're going to send somebody um, to basically go uh, further afield to find fortunes, in Europe or to, you know, find income basically, which they can send home. Um, you're going to send uh, your, your sort of young, strong males, you know, you're not going to send your, uh, 13 year old daughters on their own to go walk uh, aimlessly across the, uh, uh, the Eurasian land bridge in order to find opportunity and, and, uh, social welfare benefits. Able-bodied young men, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be able-bodied young men. So of course, and this is also what the media is showing. So, but to say that the certain percentage of the these are, are terrorists that e- even to say that 0.1 percent is still speculation because nobody knows that. Figure. That's a brilliant point now. And I, 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 but, but I'm glad you said that it is speculation. But but they want you to what they, Richie, what it, the trick is here, they want you to believe that it's inevitable. It's inevitable that a certain percentage and they'll even stick a number to it. Some of them, they'll say around one percent in America. Some of the politicians said, well, around one percent. Yeah, you can't do that. You're right. You can't do that. They they could be radicalized. Now, to say that someone could be radicalized, whether it's one percent of the migrants or not, means that anyone can be radicalized because the, the potential for radicalization online, where does it end? Where does this whole narrative end? The point is, we were told, uh, even the Free Syrian Army, um, uh, pe- people who were feeding intelligence to U.S. and to uh, European intelligence agencies, told them as soon as ISIS arrived on the scene, they took that from when there was 10 ISIS people in Syria, they, we knew about it up until there were 20,000, okay? And did we do anything about it? No, they didn't. U.S. kept dragging its feet and making excuses, well, not now, and oh, blah, blah, blah. So they knew, had full knowledge of ISIS was amassing and creating this little enclave, and they did nothing. So you have to, I'm, I'm, a more important question should be for all these same people, is why wasn't anything done about it then? You know, why why wasn't anything done to coordinate with the Syrian government to get rid of what is obviously a dangerous uh, a terrorist enclave? Nothing was done. So that means that the Western intelligence agencies and governments uh, had foreknowledge and allowed it to form, allowed it to grow, allowed it to become strong. 
and to catch on basically and there we have a problem now a monster a genie is out of the bottle now what to do with it some would say oh what a horrible tragedy others would say well this has actually worked in the benefit of the military industrial complex of the right-wing establishment in order to basically have the boogeyman they were looking for for the for this generation which is clearly it's isis he's taken bin laden's place uh, bin Laden, Al Qaeda is just a secondary brand. It's a nothing brand now, and now it's ISIS, ISIS, ISIS. This is all you hear about. Okay. Meanwhile, they're disappearing out of Syria. So what are they going to do? Still say that there are fifty thousand of them there, and they're not. I mean, and you can change affiliation and membership by snapping your finger. They don't have. They're not registered members of any group. So it's just completely uh, porous and ubiquitous. You know, ubiquitous between terrorist groups. I mean, the membership—they don't carry IDs around. That's so, Sky News story, by the way, which we didn't talk about. I think it broke, or Sky News broke it. I think a week or so after we last spoke, it was one of the most disgraceful um, acts or or or, or um, programs ever put out by a twenty-four hour news organization. When Sky said that they were handed a memory stick by a guy who was disillusioned with ISIS and had stolen it from ISIS's head of security. And on the memory stick were all these files of all these men and who they were. It was so utterly a lie. I mean, I felt I actually felt bad for Sky's foreign correspondent who didn't get the memory stick. The memory stick was given to a guy in the field uh, somewhere in Turkey. Uh, but the the guy, the bald guy who does their uh, foreign correspondency now in the studio, I could see he was visibly distressed because he worked in broadsheet media a few years ago and he's sitting there now and he, he realised, I sold my soul to the devil. I'm perpetrating a massive hoax on the British people. He knew it was lies and yet he had to sit there because, like I said, he sold his soul. It's It's despicable. We've got about three, four minutes left before I have to wrap up. Give us a word before we do. By the way, go to 21stCenturyWire.com. Uh, what we just had, by the way, Patrick and myself, is a sort of rational, intelligent debate that you don't hear in the mainstream media. You see, this is why programs like this and why, um, you know, uh, say it for me, platforms like 21stCenturyWire.com exist. These are the sort of exchanges of views where we agree and we disagree and we agree and disagree. You don't get in the mainstream. What about Donald Trump then and the assertion That's that right. he certainly wouldn't put troops on the ground in now I, I don't believe for a minute Trump will be elected uh, but even I if he was do you believe he's telling the truth or is this just nonsense electioneering um, I, I can't tell you I can tell you though that taking those sort of stances is very unpopular uh, in in the Republican side of the ticket yeah. so so if it's electioneering is the most bizarre uh, Republican electioneering ever in history I mean it doesn't make any sense at all with regards to the demographics and what I will tell you about Donald Trump is if you go to 21stCenturyWire.com today uh, we put a report up I think Sean Helton had written a, a really great report last week called the hawkish dove describing yeah, what Donald yeah, yeah, Trump yeah, yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, now he's written a follow-up here. The Washington Post did an editorial on his foreign policy team. Basically, Trump says, we need to get out of NATO. Now, imagine this is said, and, and 24 hours later, we get this bombing at, at, at NATO headquarters in Brussels. And so Donald Trump's put together a foreign policy team that basically is non-interventionist, wants to concentrate on rebuilding America infrastructure and economy 
and we need to reduce our footprint around the world in terms of uh, um, domination, you know, still wants a strong military, but for defense purposes. Now, this goes against Democrat and Republican administrations since God knows when. I don't know how far back. Uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower. I mean, where? how far back do we go? Donald Trump is reversing uh, a multi-generational trend here. And so he is coming under attack from some big, big forces uh, by taking this sort of stance. And, and wants to have good relationships with Russia, he said as well in this Washington Post interview here. He says it'll be great to have good relationships with Russia. And there's war hawks um, on both sides of the aisle, Richie, that are saying, no, no, you, this is just outrageous. And I know, you, I know you think that I'm an absolutely bat-spit-crazy conspiracy theorist, but I believe, and again, I, I'm, you know, I'm deferring to your um, vastly more experienced, you've vast, vastly more experienced than I do covering US politics, but I'm going to stick my oar in again. I think ultimately he's controlled I think the neocon agenda is to get Hillary Clinton in uh, for a number of different reasons that I find increasingly uh, bizarre and that, in fact, he's playing his part in that and, mm. and willingly now. That's just my opinion on it and that he would be answering to the Republicans. But I understand where, where you're coming from. But what I am going to do, uh, I love chatting to you, by the way, 21stCenturyWire.com, Sunday Wire, every Sunday, 5 p.m. GMT. Uh, this is a real journalist we have on on the show here, folks. You have the last word, my friend, the absolute final word on this, and then we'll, um, we'll wrap it up. And thanks for coming on at short notice today, by the way. No, that's my pleasure, Richie. I ju- I'll just uh, finish off with Donald Trump by saying you know, one of his advisors reportedly is uh, uh, Michael Flynn from the Defense Intelligence Agency. And this is a person who's come out and basically whistleblowed in a way uh, about uh, some of the U.S. and uh, defense uh, or the establishment's support of um, groups like you know, al-Nusra and ISIS. Uh, in the Middle East, and so how our supplies are ending up in their hands. Basically, we're supporting them. So Trump knows this. If if Flynn is one of his advisors, so you've got a very potentially different rhetoric coming out of this. Now, is this what millennials want to hear? That's the big question. Because if you're going to catch those crossover votes, uh, it's going to be talking like this. Because Hillary isn't talking like this. That's for sure. But in the end, what's good for Israel? Uh, is good for the U.S. presidency. So, and don't uh, forget Trump's. I said I wouldn't interrupt. I'm such a liar. Don't forget Trump's uh, comments at APAC. Uh, Hillary's, yes. you know, disgraceful. Hillary's conduct at APAC. Yeah, uh, disgraceful. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine saying to a to a people, to your own people. By the way, you know, job number one when I get into office is inviting this war criminal, this absolute lunatic, to the Oval Office. Patrick, sometimes you think, you know, it's not real. We're, we're going to wake up and. It's going to be a much better world than this, you know. Lunatics. I hope so. <laughs> I want to thank you, mate, for coming on. Um, 21stCenturyWire.com, folks. Sunday Wire on AlternateCurrentRadio.com every Sunday at 5 p.m. Uh, GMT. Undoubtedly, mate, we'll be talking again real soon. Thanks for your time. I love when you're on. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks, Richie. Look after yourself. Bye for now. And you can catch Patrick on RT.com. RT regularly giving his take on these geopolitical events.